the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Join us now for a very special parenting series from Pastor Ron Arbaugh and The Word to Stand On for Life on AM 630, The Word. This is The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. This week in the newspaper, in Jeannie Jackley's column in the San Antonio Express News, it's about television and things like that. There's been a lot of things going on. There's a section that was motivated by a complaint she got, and I'll read it. It says, it's just very brief. Speaking of housewives, talking about the television show Desperate Housewives, a viewer wrote that he was offended by a scene in last week's episode that showed two teenage boys, one of whom was the son of the uptight Bree, I don't know who that is, kissing. A scene that showed two teenage boys kissing. Now, we can understand why you'd be upset. Listen to this, however. Emailer Jack, and I can't pronounce his last name, of Lake McQueen, he wrote, That just about does it for me in primetime television. Wish I had some warning as my 12-year-old daughter viewed this. Think about that. He's mad because his 12-year-old daughter viewed two teenage boys embraced in a kiss in a homosexual scene. And now he's angry. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this picture. Why is a man allowing his 12-year-old daughter to watch that kind of trash in the first place? I'm thinking, what kind of an example is that? What did he expect to see? A wholesome, sexually immoral scene? And yet, isn't it true, guys, that really does describe a whole bunch of the adult population, and in fact, tragically, a whole bunch of the professing Christian adult population. Oh, we're adults, we can look at those things. Our kids don't understand what's going on. It's not true. It's not true. What an example. By contrast, think about this for a moment. A friend of mine, a good friend, I've known him for, oh, since Bible college, so it's been about 11 years. His name is Bob, um, I just had a brain fade, Bob Hoekstra, uh, a pastor. I was his teacher's assistant at Bible college. Uh, he has been a Calvary Chapel pastor for nearly 30 years. He now runs Living in Christ Ministries, and he, he is the son of Chaplain Ray, Prison Ministries International. And I get to see Bob a couple of times a year. Some of you have met Bob at some of our conferences. And Bob is just one of those guys that is so nice. You know, when you're around him, you kind of keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. Well, as his teacher's assistant in Bible college, his son Matthew was also in Bible college at the same time I was. And after getting to know Bob well, after serving side by side with him as his TA, I one day went to Matthew and I said, you know, Matthew, I don't really get it. Your dad is so sweet. Is he really that nice all the time? Now, Matthew was a young man who would eventually become a pastor himself. Matthew was a young man who in his teenage years rebelled 
powerfully against God, against his dad. He got involved with drugs. He got involved in some really, really difficult scenes. And obviously there would have been a lot of tension in the family. And Matthew said this. He said, Ron, let me tell you something. In my entire life, in spite of all of my rebellion, in spite of all the troubles that we had in our house, in my entire life, I have never seen, even for a moment, my dad behave in any other way than godly. Think about that. Wouldn't you love for your children to be able to say that about you? I had an opportunity to share that with Bob and his wife. Brought tears to both of their eyes. Because that's what we hope for. That's the best we can do. In the passage of Scripture that we just read, when David was getting ready to die, that's what it means when he was getting ready to go the way of all the earth. He looked at his son, and he could encourage him. But he couldn't say, follow my example. He could say, follow God. He could say, God has made his great and glorious promises. But he couldn't say, do what I did. Now, he could have said, you know, if your heart is right, you'll want to do what I did. I mean, what I did when I was following God. But don't do the other things that I did. Don't follow my example because I'm a man with great sin. And while it's true God had forgiven him, while it's true that David, a man after God's own heart, is with the Lord forever receiving wonderful, wonderful rewards. It's sad that he couldn't look at his son and say, do what I did. It's sad that Solomon would not be able to look at his son Rehoboam and say, son, follow God as I followed God. He he couldn't say that. And as we wrap up our time together in this parenting series, I want you to be able to start today And be able to say to your children, follow Christ as I followed Christ. I set an example in this house. And if you follow it, it will go well with you. Things will will not only go well with you, but, but your life will be full and rich and filled with passion. And on that day when your children leave the home, and believe me, that's what we are raising our children to do, to leave and stay gone. You can have confidence that they're going to follow the example that you set in your home. Would you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6? There's two more passages of Scripture that I want you to look at tonight, and then we'll get into the body of the study. Beginning in verse 4 of chapter 6. Moses writes this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Here's the key, impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That's just Moses' way of saying, talk about them all the time. Be all Jesus all the time. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now turn forward to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. David writes, Sons, and the same applies for daughters, are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. As our final study in this series on parenting tonight is going to focus more on the parents and your responsibility to God in your own lives than on actually raising your children, more on you than on technique tonight. Now, as you can tell from the passage in Deuteronomy, God has a much larger view of parenting than the world that we live in does. 
the world and so many of us have been persuaded, convinced by it, teaches us that our job as parents is nothing more than making sure that our kids are happy, that that we give them all the things that they need, that we buy stuff for them so they have all of the things that other children have. We have to know and understand that, that our job isn't to make sure that their life is a blast. Rather, God's view of parenting is to make sure that our kids are saved, that our kids are going to heaven. There's nothing more important. Sometimes in this crazy world, we lose sight of that. We want to raise kids that are successful. We want to raise kids that are good human beings. We want to raise kids that are productive. We want to raise kids, don't we, that give us grandkids. But nothing is more important than being sure that your children are going to heaven. If we do that, we will have done our job. If we buy them things, if we make them happy, if we fill their life, if we overfill their life with activities, that won't be the thing that God says, you know, you did pretty good. You guys were busy all the time. The only thing that matters is how we represented Christ. To the world. And the example I gave you a moment ago of Pastor Bob Hoekster and his son, had his son Matthew never returned to the Lord, you know what? Bob could have stood before Jesus and he could have said, I told him and I showed him who you were. And the Lord would have said, Well done. His blood, not on your head. But if we don't rightly represent God, if we don't understand God's perspective on parenting, then when we stand before the Lord, like God warned Ezekiel, we too can have the same warning. Because you didn't tell them, because you didn't show them, their blood is on your head. And I want us all to be able to stand before God and hear him say, well done. You see, God's view is different, so much different than the view of the world. His viewpoint is that our job is to love them. It's first and foremost, love them unconditionally. Love disciplines. Love is consistent. Love is gentle. You can read 1 Corinthians 13 and read a whole things about love and then measure whether or not your love for your children passes that test. But, but just as much as it is to love them, our job is to teach them, to teach them to know who God is, to prepare them, to represent Him out in the world. And to teach them, guys, to teach them his word. Not only are we to talk about Jesus, but we're to sit down and teach our children the word of God. God has called us as parents to follow his example as he parents us. And that means we are to be a shepherd for our children as he is a shepherd to us. Now, a shepherd isn't always a friend. I don't want to bore you with shepherd stories, but you know it's amazing that when a real shepherd, a shepherd who loves his sheep, has a wayward sheep, one who keeps going off, you know, sometimes sheep are just stubborn and willful, just like humans are. And there are times when a sheep is very, very young, when the shepherd actually has to break their legs to keep them from wandering off. He does it for their own protection. The shepherd will carry that injured sheep around his neck until the sheep is well. And then when he puts that sheep back on the ground, the sheep won't leave the shepherd's side. Because that's the place of security and comfort. Now, I don't want anybody leaving here saying, Pastor Ron is saying we ought to break our kids' legs. (laughs) It's not the point. But the point is that true love cares enough for your children to discipline them to protect them. He he doesn't call us as parents to be our child's friend. He doesn't call us to negotiate with the world that we live in, but instead to care for our children as God cares for us. If you've learned nothing else from these studies, I pray that you've seen that my purpose, God's purpose in doing this series, was to help you take God's side in this cultural war. To help you take God's side to see it clearly, and to help you understand that it is the only place for a parent, a godly parent, to be. I pray through this all that you have understood my heart, that I haven't been misunderstood, that you've understood my motives, and that you've understood my love for you, for your children and for you during this whole series. Now, let's review a little bit and then we'll 
kind of wrap this portion up fairly quickly. Not really quickly, but fairly quickly so we can get to some of these questions. The most important thing we learned that anything uh, that we can do for our children is, as I said, that they get saved. It is the only thing to a parent that should matter. Every other goal for your children should be secondary to that one goal. Making money, being a success, being a good person, nothing matters if your child is not saved. And that needs to be our only perspective, our highest priorities. Guys, think for just a moment, and I ask you to do this only for a moment, because the pain would actually be too hard. But think for a moment about spending eternity without your children. My son, Ronnie, who is saved, used to say, Dad, why do you always bug me about Jesus? And my answer is because I love you so much, I can't imagine heaven without you. And because of that, it's imperative that we as adults, godly adults, take a stand for Jesus Christ consistently and lovingly so that our kids get a picture of who he is, so that they see how attractive he is. As I will say later in this study, if your Jesus isn't worth having, your children won't want him. The second thing that's important to remember is that your kids need to know they're sinners. It won't damage their self-esteem. They won't walk out and be doomed to a lifetime of psychiatry. It's okay for them to understand that they are sinners in need of a Savior. They cannot get to heaven without dealing with their sin. And sometimes we parents, we don't want to think of our kids that way. Oh, no, he's a good kid or she's a good kid. That may be true compared to other kids, but compared to Jesus. And he's the standard. Well, they need to know, guys, that they're sinners. They need to learn to repent. How better can they learn than to see a mom and dad who deal with their own sin? They need to learn what true repentance is. They need to learn that they're sinners in need of a Savior. They also must learn, and here's where this could be considered a little heavy-handed, but they need to learn that disobedience will not be tolerated, not by God and not by you, mom and dad. To God, 1 Samuel 15.23 says that rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. If you've got a kid who is constantly rebellious, God has just compared him to a witch. We need to understand that our view of sin, our view of disobedience and rebellion needs to be the same as God. If we don't view it the same way God does, we won't deal with it seriously, nor will we deal with it consistently. There will be times when we overlook some things and other times when the very same things, even lesser things, we get angry at. And we have to view all rebellion seriously and not tolerate it. We need as parents to stop defending the poor behavior of our children, to stop understanding it, to stop explaining it away, and simply say that behavior is not acceptable in Jesus' house. Write these things on the doorpost of your houses, Moses said. And if your children know that, they will conform to those standards. And life in the home will be much, much, much better. Your job as a parent, we learned, is to make sure, to ensure that your children are always exposed to Jesus Christ. Now, these are some things that require commitment on behalf of the parents. This is the first one. Bible study in your home is not an option. I don't care if you've been saved two weeks and your teenagers say, well, just because you got religion, I'm not. You can say, well, you know what? That's right. I can't impose Jesus on you, but I can, in his house, impose these rules on you. And here's the first rule. Bible study tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock. Be there. Bible study in the home. Family devotions in the home is not an option. Now, what's the problem with that? The problem is, well, what if we don't want to do it, Pastor Ron? It can't be an option. 
You see, your children, when you institute a policy like that, your kids are waiting for the very first time that you don't keep your promise, that you don't keep the commitment yourself. And then they will say, well, you blew it off the other day. Why don't we blow it off now? Bible study in your home is not an option. You have to make sure that they understand that they do not get a vote in the matter. You have to be sure that they understand how important it is. That they participate, you have to be sure that they see how consistent you are in the process. Your kids need not just hear words about him. They need to see him through your lives. Parents, unless you're consistent in your walk, your children will not believe that Jesus is important. If when a crisis comes up in your life, when a decision has to be made, if they don't see you, go to prayer. They won't go to prayer when they need to make a decision in their life. If they don't see that you love Jesus in good times and in bad times, if they don't see that you're trusting Jesus, why would they want anything to do with your Jesus? They need to see consistency in your walk. It doesn't matter how many times you tell them about him if you're not walking with him yourself. If he's not real, visibly real in your life, they will not follow him either. You know, one of the difficult things in our church culture, especially in this country, and personally I think it's fairly unique to this country. There are countries that have national churches where everybody's baptized, for instance, into the Church of England. If you're born in England, you're a Christian. You're baptized into the Anglican Church. And when we were in London sharing Jesus with people, are you a Christian? Well, of course, I was baptized into the Anglican Church as a baby. No, 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 are you born again? It's a strange concept to people in London. But in this country, you know what, we have the same problems, only it takes a little bit different approach. What we say is things like, oh, yeah, my kids have been raised in church. My kids go to youth group, or, or my kids, oh, sure, my kids were baptized. None of that matters. What matters is, do your children have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that is visible to you? And if you want that to be the case, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ must first be visible to them. It must be a source of joy. Moms and dads, if you are complaining all of the time, if you're depressed a good portion of the time, if you're consumed by worry much of the time, then your children don't see Jesus actively in your life. We get up in the morning. Are we grumpy? That's not Jesus. Now, I'm confessing now my own sin. I'm not a great waker-upper. But you know what? I'm married to one of the great waker-uppers in history. So I can't stay grumpy very long because God reminds me that I'm responsible to show Jesus to her. And in our home, anyway, she does a much better job of that than I do. With children in your home, you can't be a gloomy Christian. You can't be a worried Christian. You've got to show them that these words in the Bible that you study together as a family are are more than just words on a page. They've got to see that your Jesus is real. It's also important that you learn to share what God is doing in your lives with them. Talk about what God is saying to your heart. Be mature enough to admit your failures to your children. Teach them to repent that way. You know what? If you lose it, you blow your stack, tell them, oh, man, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. That was a sin against God, and it was a sin against you. That's not the way a godly man or a godly woman should behave. And you know what? It's kind of humiliating to do that in front of your kids. But it teaches them the honesty of your faith. Your children don't need to see that you're perfect. Your children don't need to see that you've got all the answers, you've got it all figured out. They need to see that you serve a God who is great in great times and great in bad times, but is eager to forgive all the time. And they can only learn that by watching you. 
explain to them how Christians should deal with situations like that. And remember, it's okay because your children already know, moms and dads, that you're not perfect. Remember that your job for your children is the same as the job Jesus gave to his disciples. You are to make disciples for Christ. You know, people are confused about our mission at the academy here at church. We aren't here to educate your children. That is a byproduct of what we do. We are here to make disciples for Jesus Christ. We are here to prepare your children to go into a wicked university system that's going to try to steal their faith from them and be a light for Jesus Christ. We're trying to equip those who won't go to college to go into the workplace and be salt and light in this wicked world. We're trying to equip those who at some point might hear from the Lord that God wants them out in the mission field or that God wants them to go somewhere and begin evangelizing. We're trying to equip them to answer the call of God. That's all we're trying to do. We are not trying to create road scholars. We're not trying to be the, the, the school in the world with the smartest kids. We're just trying to take the kids God gives us and prepare them to be salt and light wherever they go. As moms and dads, that alone should be your goal. Not to have doctors or lawyers or road scholars, as I mentioned a moment ago, but to have kids that are on fire for Jesus Christ. More of the parenting series with Pastor Ron Arbaugh of The Word to Stand On for Life, coming up in two minutes on AM 630, The Word. Join us now for a very special parenting series from Pastor Ron Arbaugh and The Word to Stand On for Life on AM 630, The Word. Welcome back to The Word to Stand On for Life. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. What's our responsibility as parents to make disciples? Well, let me make six suggestions, and then we'll wrap up and get to the questions. First, parents, moms, dads, you have to know your Bibles. You have to know your Bibles. Be Bible students, not just Bible readers, not just verse shoppers or verse hoppers. Be Bible students. Make sure that if somebody asks your son or your daughter, what's daddy's favorite book or what's mommy's favorite book, without blinking an eye, he or she could say, oh, that's easy. My daddy, my mommy, they love the Bible. They're reading it all the time. Know your Bibles. You can't teach your children the word as Moses instructed us to do unless you know your Bibles. You can't convince your children that the Bible is important if they don't see you reading it. When you read it, read systematically. Again, no verse hopping or verse shopping when there's a need. Oh, I need to find a, a Bible verse with a promise. Open your Bible to John chapter 1 or Mark chapter 1 or Ephesians chapter 1 and read through it, not all at one setting, but, but pick up the next day where you left off the day before and read it systematically so it can make sense to you and you can make sense of it to them. Know your Bible. Second, be involved in church. Not just coming, but serving. You know, we made an announcement last week about growing in servanthood. And I don't know if you guys actually take the time, especially after third service, but, but, but on Sundays, they also do it between the services. Walk into the restroom sometimes and watch your children cleaning urinals. Watch them wiping the mirrors or cleaning the sinks. They won't do that at home. But they do it here for Jesus. And I can promise you this, the parents whose kids are doing that 
Well, they're doing it because they see mom and dad doing it. And you know what? It gives mom and dad a great bargaining chip when they go home. Hey, would you clean the bathroom? Oh, I don't want to clean. Oh, you do a great job at church. Be involved in church. Serve, not just coming to church, but serving in church. Your kids, by definition, are servants. But to learn how to serve, they need to watch somebody. Parents, make sure that that someone is you. Third, have order in your home. Let me ruffle a few feathers here, but this is all Bible. Christian homes are led by men. A home run by a woman is a home that is out of order unless you are a single mom. Then you become the spiritual head of your house. Let me say that again. Have order in your home. Christian homes are run, led by men. Now, I want to make something perfectly clear. We men like that. I think Pastor Ron just told me I was the boss. That's not what I said. You are not the authority in the home. You are the leader of the home. And the leader of the home leads his flock to the authority in the home, who is Jesus Christ. Have order in your home. Ladies, the only way you should take the lead role in raising your children for the Lord is if your husbands refuse to. If that's the case, you know what you can do, ladies? Get on your knees and pray, pray, and pray some more for your husband because God is going to get him. And I don't mean in a bad way. God is going to squeeze. He's going to make it more and more difficult. God is going to answer your prayers because it is the very thing that God wants to do. Men, if you are one of those men who refuses to take the spiritual lead in your house, all the Bible stuff, that's for mom, or that, that, that's for my wife, that's, that's woman stuff, then shame on you. Shame on you. It's your job to rightly represent Christ to your family, to your wives, the gift that God has given you, to your children, the gifts, plural, that God has given you. It is your responsibility. And God didn't ask you how you felt about it. You say, well, I'm busy. I work all day. I'm tired when I get home. That's tough. You're still the leader selected by God. You can't turn down the job. You can be faithful or unfaithful, but you can't turn down the job. If you're not leading, you will answer to God for refusing to do so. Have order in your home. Fourth, moms and dads, practice what you preach. In other words, be consistent. Your kids are going to watch the kind of television programs you watch. Your kids are going to read the stuff that you read. You lose all moral authority if you are engaged in behavior forbidden to your children. You can't ask your kids not to smoke if you smoke. You can't ask your children not to drink if they see you with a beer every time the cowboys come on TV. You lose all moral authority when you say, do as I say and not as I do. When you say, you know, we don't allow that stuff on TV for kids in our home, and then they go to bed and you turn on Desperate Housewives, that just came to mind. I know you guys wouldn't do that. You lose all moral authority. You can no longer say to your children with any authority at all that this is a home that belongs to God. It is hypocrisy in the highest. You know, people don't like to hear this, but God made a very vivid demonstration of how he feels about hypocrisy in the church. It's in Acts chapter 5 of your Bibles in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Now, fortunately, God doesn't deal with hypocrites today like he did then. But once and for all, in his pure virgin church, God let everybody know for all time how he feels about hypocrisy. Every time you're telling your children to do one thing, and you're doing something else, the heart of God is that's a sin deserving death. And so, 
Be consistent. Practice what you preach. Fifth, pray. Pray. Make sure that your house is a house of prayer. Pray for your kids. Pray with your kids. And perhaps even more important than that, husbands and wives together pray. Your children should see that you pray, that you really do believe the things that you're telling them, that you talk to God. Make sure that your kids know that your prayer time together as husband and wife is so important that they're not to interrupt. We'll pray with you guys in just a few moments, but right now, Mommy and Daddy, we've got to pray together. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray and ask God to help us with this circumstance or with this situation, or we're just going to pray and give God thanks and praise Him for all of the good things that He's given us, kids including you. Make sure your children see that activity going on in your home. When you pray with your children, teach them the discipline of prayer. Teach them it's a time to be serious. It's not a time to look around and make faces at their brother or their sister. Teach them the discipline of prayer. Kids know there's a time to fool around and time not to fool around. It's your job to teach them when they're talking to God. It's not a time to fool around. And sixth and most important... Your job is to love God with all your heart. You love God with all of your heart. Jesus said when asked in Matthew chapter 22, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Guys, if your Jesus isn't worth loving, they won't love him. It's that simple. And let me bring this a little bit closer to home. If they don't love him, they're going to sin. You know, wouldn't we all like to think that we could send our children out into the world and they're going to face all the temptations that everybody else faces and they're going to say, nope, I'm a good girl or I'm a good boy and I'm not going to do that. Guys, your children aren't strong enough to stand against the temptations in this world unless they love Jesus. Not unless you love Jesus, unless they love Jesus. Your child, no matter how sweet he or she might be, If they don't love Jesus, they're going to be faced with a sin, a temptation that is going to overwhelm them. It's your job to show them that you love God so much, that Jesus is so important to you, that they get interested to find out what's so hot about this man Jesus. Because they're not going to take your word for it. They have to have their own relationship with the Lord. Now, for the rest of our time tonight, let me deal with a few specific things, and then we'll get to the questions. I want to talk about focus. Many of us, and this is a result of some of the questions and some of the comments that have been made, and some of the trouble areas that some of you have expressed to me. And I think one of the big problems that we have is focus. And I'm going to use school, whether it's Calvary Chapel, Christian Academy, or, or your children's school, public school, or home school. It doesn't matter, but I'll use school as an example. You know, sometimes we parents are so result-oriented that we miss the importance of the process. We focus on kids passing, not on kids learning. And it's in the process of learning that kids learn discipline. Your kids need to learn the stuff that the schools are trying to teach them. If they just learn enough to pass a test and get a grade and then forget it, what value is it? And so our focus is all wrong. So often, kids will leave a difficult school, a rigorous school academically, like Calvary Chapel Christian Academy, and take their children back to public school. Why? Well, because my kids pass in public school, but they don't learn anything. Remember, no matter how much difficulty they're having, they've got to be prepared to leave your house one day and go out into a world that is very, very difficult. And your job is to prepare them. 
It was interesting, and many of you with military backgrounds, when you went to boot camp, you you didn't have a sergeant that was really worried about how you were enjoying the experience, did you? Your DI, if you were a Marine, or your sergeant, if you were in the other service, they didn't come to you and say, are you having fun? We want to be sure you're having fun. We've got this comment and questionnaire we'd like you to fill out because we want to know how we're doing. They didn't care. And the reason is because they were preparing you for war. And in a war, people die. In the world we live in, people make mistakes, and some of those mistakes are fatal. When your child is taught to be late for school, he or she will be late for work, and then they will fire them. And then they lose homes or have utilities turned off. And nobody cares about their story. Our focus is on passing. Well, let's just get them to the next grade. None of that matters. What matters is what do they learn. Reading is hard for some of your children. Reading is hard for some of them because they have learning disabilities, but reading is hard for some of your children because they've never learned the discipline of reading. And we don't want to sit down and make them read, oh, I'm just going to be a mean mom or a mean dad. But but you know what? If you don't teach your children the discipline of reading, their life will be so much less rich. They will miss out on so much their imaginations will, will, will kind of stagnate and, and they, they'll miss out on all of the treasures that literature has. I don't want to read Moby Dick. I didn't either. But you know what? I had to discipline myself to do it. Because my mom backed my teacher. Instead of just deciding, well, you're never going to need Moby Dick. Isn't it true? Latin, Spanish, algebra, calculus. Well, you're not going to use that stuff. When you tell your children things like that, you're teaching them that they can get out of things that are hard. Remember something about Spanish, by the way? In the year, if I remember correctly, 2024, Hispanics will be the majority population in the United States. We want to win the world for Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be helpful to know Spanish? Remember, we're trying to to train disciples. We don't care if they get a D or a C or a B in Spanish class. We just want them to do their best. Our focus is wrong, and so we teach them to do just enough to pass instead of teaching them to do their best as unto the Lord. Parents, it's your responsibility. In all things, school and other things, it's your responsibility to teach your children the importance of doing all things as unto the Lord. If you don't teach them that hard work is necessary to get ahead in life, then they're going to get ripped off when they go out and find out just how difficult life is. If you allow them to take the easy way out just so that you feel better about them passing, well, then they're always going to take the easy way out. And it's going to be, at least in part, your fault. It's critical that you involve yourself in your children's Schoolwork. It's important that you involve yourself in your children's friends, in your children's social activities. If you're not willing to make that investment, because you've got your own thing going on, because you're focused on your own problems, then, then you don't understand the responsibility of being a parent that God has given you. You know, another area that, that, that I just hear so often is that we as parents are too interested in the kids having fun instead of the kids being prepared to leave home. And again, I want to emphasize that's the goal. 
not to get them out, but to send them out, prepared for the world that they're about to enter. To prosper as believers in this world, not to be rich or successful, unless that's God's plan, and then that's great, then we want to keep them here so they can be great givers. But to love God, and have as their own goal to raise their children better than you raise them. And because they're our grandparents or grandkids, grandparents are all for that. Your job is to make sure that your kids are equipped to be adults and make sure that they're adults who understand how rich it is to serve Jesus Christ. By way of information, as a church, our job isn't to make sure that you as adults have fun when you come here. You do, I can see it. You laugh and you have fun and you talk and there's rich fellowship because we have things in common. We have Christ in common. We have so much intimacy in this body. It's fun. It's a great place to be. But but you know what? There's a, a tendency when it comes to kids to think that the church's job is to be like a, a social center. That we're to entertain them. Well, what's the youth group going to do now? Are they having pizza this week? Or are, are they going to go do this? Are they going to have this? What kind of activities do you have for kids? The church's activities for kids is to teach them the Word of God. And they should be here because they need to learn it. Not because, well, it's no fun. We didn't bring them here to have fun. We brought them here to teach them the Word of God. Your child's social life is your responsibility, moms and dads, not the churches. Now, it's true. You can go to churches that have great youth programs, and by great, I mean fun. They play air hockey. They have all kinds of video games. They have all kinds of activities. But that's not preparing them for the real world. And let's just say for now, your child, just to throw out a number, is 13 or 14 years old. That means in four or five years, you have to have them ready to go out into a world that isn't going to ask them, are they having fun? And there's a whole lot of time that your children will be adults where you can be friends. There's a whole lot of time when your children will be adults when you can delight in the work that you've done and delight in the man or woman of God that you've raised. But but guys, if you don't train them now, while they're in spiritual boot camp, in the boot camp of this world, in your home, then they won't be a delight to you when they're adults. And in the world that we live in, kids go out, defiant, rebellious, I'm going to make it on my own, I don't need any of this anymore, and then when the world beats them up, what happens? They come back to your house. Mom, will you babysit the kids while I go out and have fun? One of the reasons that our focus is so wrong is because so many of us feel guilty because of the bad choices we've made. We've married, we've divorced, we've married again, sometimes we've divorced again. We've uprooted kids, we've, we've got a weekend dad and a, and a during-the-week mom, and, and we feel so bad about all of the pain we've caused. We want to, to, to entertain them instead of raise them. And make no mistake, your job has never been to entertain your children. Finally, let me say this, because, you know, it's easy for people to hear what they want to hear or they hear through the filter of their own life experiences. I want to be clear about a couple of things. First of all, I want you to know I am unashamed to say that serving Jesus is fun. It is fun. It is thrilling. It's exciting. It's rich. It is so fulfilling. Jesus said, if you find your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you'll find it. You think that only matters for adults? You need to teach your children to deny self so that they can find the richness of life that Christ has for them. And you know what, moms and dads, you should not make apologies for being Christians. Mom, I don't get to have any fun. Dad, why do we have to go to church? Because serving God is fun. Second, let me say this. It's important that as parents, we say yes to our children 
whenever we can. I don't think being a Christian kid ought to be like a sentence in a prison. I think we ought to say yes every time we can. And the reason is because we have to say no so much in the world that we live in. But you say yes when you can trust your kids. When they earn trust, give them more freedom. If they blow your trust, take that freedom away. And they'll learn, just like in the real world, that they have to earn what they get. And in so doing, you will be doing them a favor. Do I want your kids never to have fun? Oh, no, I want just the opposite. Say yes to fun, to hobbies, to sports, to other things that kids do. But, but guys, saying yes is only possible if we can trust our kids and if we know that we've taught them about the one who loves them enough to die for their sins. And third and last, exercise your faith. Have faith in God. I know when you hear stuff like that, well, I have faith, I'm saved. I'm not talking about that. Show your kids that you really do trust the Lord. Show your kids what faith is all about. Trust Him with them, your children. And all you have to do is your part. God always does His. Train your sons to be leaders, men. Men and women train your daughters to be led. Boy, there are some crowds I could say that in. People would throw things at me. But isn't that the godly way? And we have to make a decision. Do we believe God's word? Train your sons to be leaders. Train your daughters to be led. Don't train them to buy into the world's idea of success. Instead, train them to do whatever God asks, when he asks. And for that, they and you will be rewarded with a rich and full and passionate life. And that's all God asks. And His way you'll find really is the easy way. Is it a cultural clash? Absolutely. But isn't that what He's asked us to do? He's called us out from the world. Not to be immersed in it, but to be lights in the middle of the darkness. So it's different, yeah. But it's wonderful. And all you have to do is trust God's promises and give it a try. I promise you, if you test Him on these things, He'll show you just how good and how powerful He is. Thank you for joining us for today's program in the parenting series from Pastor Ron Arbaugh and the Word to Stand On for Life. 